It is an absolute joy for me to um, worship with you as our church family today. It is, uh, I love being here. I love being in and among this church family with you guys. This has been a, um, a tender week for me and my family up in Michigan, uh, and to be able to come back to the comfort and the blessing of our church family here in Dayton is just, uh, it's a gift to me. So I thank the Lord for bringing us together for worship today. Thank you, worship team, for leading our hearts uh, towards Christ and remembering the gospel. Uh, I just want to reiterate, if you are new with us today, thank you so much for being here. It's a joy to have you, whether you're joining us for the first time here in the auditorium or if you happen to be one of our overflow areas or joining us online, it is a, a, a blessing to have you joining us today. You are joining us in the final week of a sermon series that we've called Multiply. And in this series, we've been kind of talking about our vision to become a, a multiplying church where we uh, are all about multiplication in different facets. We want to be a church that multiplies the gospel. We want to be a church that multiplies disciples. We want to be a church that multiplies leaders. And today we're going to be talking about multiplying churches. And as we talk about multiplying churches today, I am honored that we get to have Dr. Jeremy Westbrook with us today. If you don't know Jeremy Westbrook, Jeremy is the executive director for the State um, Convention of Baptists in Ohio. Um, again, if you're new with us, or maybe if you're not new, you may not know this, University Baptist is part of the Southern Baptist Convention of Churches. Um, the Southern Baptist Convention uh, is broke down into various entities. There's an international entity, there's a domestic entity, and then there are local and state entities as well. And each of those entities have various types of leadership. Uh, Dr. Jeremy Westbrook is the um, executive director for the state of Ohio. Uh, it is a pleasure to have him back here. He was here when we broke ground on our groundbreaking ceremony for uh, our new building here, and he encouraged us that day. Um, since that time, he's been uh, really um, doing a great job leading our state, um, casting a new vision for how our churches can partner together across the state of Ohio for the advancement of God's kingdom. Uh, Jeremy was a church planter and a pastor in Ohio for many years, and then God called him to Florida, and then God called him from Florida back to Ohio to serve as our state director. And so I'm really encouraged by him opening up God's word for us in the first service. I'm greatly anticipating what God's going to do here in the second service. So if you guys would, would you put your hands together and just give Jeremy Westbrook a warm welcome. Thank you, brother. It is certainly a joy and an honor to be here in the first service. I was worried about the clock, but you're the second service, so I'm not worried so much, all right? So it's going to be a fun time, and it's good to be here. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 18. Pastor Jason, thank you for your leadership. University is a model church in our state network, our convention, and I'm grateful to finally be here with you this morning as we talk about multiplication, not just of the gospel and of believers and leaders, but now churches, how God is moving and working. Acts chapter 18. As you're turning there, they got a picture of my family. I'm going to throw up on the screen. So I'm not just going to talk that I'm married. I'm going to show you proof that I actually am. So this is uh, my baby girl, my bride, Jennifer. We've been married for 21 years. I told her this year we're officially legal. We're 21 years into this thing. And so we're 21 years, uh, not kids and counting. And so we have three kids. Caden uh, is here. He is uh, 18 years old. He's a freshman at Cedarville University, and uh, the Lord's hand is upon him, and I'm grateful for, for that. Uh, Abigail is 14. She's the princess and thinks she runs the house. And uh, Jackson is 10, and he's just insane, all right? So he, uh, we call him Jack-Jack from The Incredibles for a reason. Uh, there's just no off button, you know what I mean? It's like 6 o'clock in the morning, he comes to me and says, Hey, Dad, why does God leave us here after we're saved? I'm like, I don't know, Jack. Let me grab my coffee. You know, so yeah, he's just, he's always on. So uh, this picture was taken last year at Father's Day. I got to go back to my church in Clearwater at Calvary Church and preach on Father's Day, one of the greatest joys of my life. And so that's my family who I deeply, deeply love. And so I wanted you to at least know who they are. Acts chapter 18, uh, would you go there? As one pastor said, I love to hear the rustling of the pages or see the glow on your faces, all right? So I don't care what kind of Bible you got, just get there, go to Acts 18, and would you stand as we read God's holy, inerrant, infallible, inspired word? 
Luke is writing here the planting of the Corinthian church, and it says in verse 1, After this, he, Paul, left Athens and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. But Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and he worked. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. And when they resisted and blasphemed, he took out his clothes, he tore them, and he said, your blood is on your hands. I am innocent. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. And so he left there and he went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, a Gentile believer whose house was next door to the synagogue. And Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord along with his household. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. And the Lord says in verse 9 to Paul in a night vision, don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent. For I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, Lord, thank you for your presence here. Lord, I don't know what we walked in with, but Lord, I don't know if we walked in this place without you, but I pray that we would walk out with you. I pray if there's somebody watching online or in this room who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day they would give their life to you and surrender all. Lord, may all of us leave deeper, more in love with you. That is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Somebody said in the first service, we could tell you're not from here. That is correct. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, I promise you Elvis has left the building. He is not there, all right? And so I grew up, and, um, and when I was three years old, my dad left and rolled out on me. My grandparents kind of swept in and rescued me. And so my, my papa was a truck driver, and um, my grandmother was a seamstress from Sears. They loved the Lord Jesus. They were married for over 60 years. Um, my grandfather was my hero, um, and uh, he is in heaven. He's buried not too far from my other hero, Dr. Adrian Rogers. My grandmother is 99, and she can barely see, she can barely hear, and somehow she's on Facebook, you know? So I don't really know <laughs> how that works. And um, she's baking every day. I'm like, that's a good plan, you know? And, but I know uh, my heart has been with Pastor Jason in the past 48 hours with his grandmother going home to be with the Lord. Uh, my grandmother is 99, and I'm getting texts weekly from my family back home that she's not doing well. And so I know that her time is coming close on this earth, and I'm thankful for my grandparents who uh, delivered the faith to me and made sure that I was in the church and I heard the gospel. I was saved as a boy, called to preach when I was 16. I began preaching on the streets of Memphis. I began preaching in youth revivals and prisons and churches and uh, anywhere that God would let me uh, preach the word. And uh, I'm thankful for what he did in my life. When I was 28, um, I, my church in Memphis, I served on staff at a, a large mega church. I was a college and evangelism pastor for the church in Memphis. Dr. Bob Pittman, Vance's dad, was my pastor. And uh, I served in that church for many years. And they sent and commissioned me out to plant a church here in Columbus, Ohio. And I knew that something was going to change. I, was, uh, I had a wonderful job. I had two secretaries, assistants who worked and helped me. I, had, uh, I told Pastor Jason I had an office with matching cherry wood furniture. And I knew what happened to church planters. Uh, you got furniture that nothing matched and uh, people didn't want and you found on the street. And that was your furniture for your office. And that's a true statement. But I knew that God was calling us and we moved and we packed up everything we had. We sold our home. Uh, that was during the recession of 2008. And uh, by the way, God's the best real estate agent you'll ever have. Amen. There's nothing that catches God by surprise. And he sold our home in a terrible economy and uh, did a miracle moment there for us. So we sold our home. We sold both of our cars. Both of Jennifer and I had cars that we had loans on them. We didn't want debt planning a church. Uh, we sold our dog and um, he bit people. And so we didn't think that was a good plan for church planting is to have a dog that bites people. So, um, so we, sold, we sold the home, we sold the cars, we sold the dog, we kept the kid. And so uh, 
We packed up Caden and we moved north up to, uh, to Columbus. Our fifth day in the state was a crazy day. It was a two-foot blizzard that fell onto uh, Marysville, Ohio in our fifth day. The missions pastor from Dublin Baptist, our sending church, called me and said, you're not going back to Memphis, are you? Are you still unpacking? I said, well, I told Jennifer to pause. We got to see what happens here. Caden went to the, um, to the window of our apartment and he goes, dad, what is that? And I said, that's called snow. And that's a lot of it. We saw snow in Memphis. It was just called ice. That's how it formed for us. And uh, we didn't have anything. We didn't have snow shovels and boots. I mean, we lived in Memphis. And so we didn't know a two-foot blizzard was going to happen on our fifth day back in 2008. And so uh, my son was begging me to take him out into the blizzard. And I said, all right, you know. And so Jennifer had just come back from Walmart. And I said, well, let's get the Walmart sacks. And so we took Walmart sacks and wrapped them around his feet and put them out in the blizzard. And I told Pastor Jason in 2008, the cool thing were blogs back then in 2008. And so I was blogging daily for everybody back in Memphis what we're doing. And I took a picture of my boy in Walmart sacks in a blizzard and checks came in the mail the next week. You know what I mean? <laughs> so if you're going to go out and plant a church one day, just get your kid and throw him out in a blizzard with Walmart sacks and you'll get some money in the mail. And notes were like, you need to be a better father. You know what I mean? Like, you cannot do this to your son. But that was our start. And I knew that God was doing something incredible in our midst that I could not take credit for. And I didn't know what was going on. You understand, as we're talking about planting churches and multiplying the gospel, it's not about the planting of a church. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. On the left side of your Bible, you see a, an inward focus, an inward shift where everybody has to come to Jerusalem. Why? Because Israel's obedience would draw the nations. And on the right side of your Bible, in the New Testament, there is a missiological shift. No longer are we saying for everybody to come to Jerusalem. Now we're asking everybody to leave Jerusalem and to take the gospel across the street and around the world where the people of God are sent out to the nations. And so I want to frame and answer three questions that we've been talking about every single week in this series. As we're multiplying the gospel and as we're multiplying leaders, as we're multiplying believers and now churches. Number one, what does it mean to multiply churches? And I want to walk through Acts 18 very quickly as we answer these three questions. What does it mean to multiply churches? The Bible says, after this, he left Athens and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and they were the same occupation, tent makers. And he stayed with them and he worked and he reasoned in the synagogues with them. One by one, the city was engaged. Sometimes when I travel the nation, I work with church planners and I coach church planners and I train and I teach church planners here in our state and around the United States and sometimes over the world in seminaries. And oftentimes what church planners will come to me and they'll say, well, I want to go start a church service. I'm like, you understand biblically, theologically, hermeneutically, all those things. It, it, planning a church is not starting a service. Sometimes guys will say, well, I just want to go buy some Facebook ads and then design a really cool website and then hope they all show up the next day. That's not biblical church planting. We have to engage the city. Starting churches is not starting services. You see, God divinely met Paul and Aquila and Priscilla. They were refugees from another country, but God had a better plan. Some of you may be here and you may think somehow that you're at the end of your rope. Listen, you need to understand that what you may see as a setback is really a setup by a divine sovereign God. If you believe that God knows everything and he knows what he's doing, say amen. amen. We can trust the Lord with his plans for our life. Aquila and Priscilla were kicked out, but God had a better plan and a better story. You're not here by accident. Acts 17 says you live where you live and you work where you work by divine sovereign hand of almighty God. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener right where you water it. God has not called you just to be successful. He's called you to be faithful. And Aquila and Priscilla were faithful in the gospel. Paul was faithful. They met up and they began to engage the city. See, the Bible says that they would leave with Paul to Ephesus and start a house church. They were mentioned in three books. Here, they assisted him, and then they risked for their lives for him in Romans 16. And then they hosted a church in their home in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul gets to Corinth, and he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to have a service. Y'all come. He engages the city. Why? Because the goal of church planting is not the planting of a church. It's to join in God's kingdom activity and to grow and expand the kingdom of God. 
Every New Testament church that got a book deal is no longer in business. Philippi's not there. Colossae's not there. Thessalonica's not there. But you know what is there? The kingdom of God is advancing. And those churches have life cycles, but the kingdom of God does not. And when we moved to Marysville, Ohio, we began to engage our city. We began to pray over our city. We began to do car washes and serve the people around us. I remember our first car wash in June of 2008. We were just serving our city, and we were just washing cars for free, telling people the gospel and about our new church that had just come into town. A lady got out, and she said, why are you doing this for free? I said, well, we just love Jesus. We want to serve our city. She goes, well, what kind of church are you starting? And I told her, and I said, we're just going to preach Jesus and believe the Bible and share the gospel. She says, no, tell me the kind of church you're starting. I said, well, we're a Southern Baptist church. And she took a $20 bill. She watered it up, and she threw it at my chest. And she said, go back to the South where you belong. I said, wow, this is a great start. This is fun. And I said, thank you for your $20 bill. We're going to give it to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for Southern Baptist Missions. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so that was the beginning start of of our journey. But we knew that God was calling us. 30 minutes later, another guy got out. You know, there's people, when they get out of a car, it like the car rises when they step out, right? This guy was coming down the road in downtown Marysville. He almost hits a telephone pole. He comes into our parking lot. He gets out of the car. The car rises, and he said, who's the pastor of this church? And I looked at my youth guy, and I said, him. He's the guy. And the youth guy said, no, he's a liar. He's the pastor. And I said, I'm the pastor, sir. I said, how can I help you? He said, you wouldn't believe it. I said, sir, I'll believe anything right now. And he said, I just actually almost hit a telephone pole. I said, I saw that. And see, he walked in into the parking lot of the Burger King. We were washing cars. And he said, you don't know what just happened. I said, what just happened? He said, I just moved from Living Hope Baptist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky to Marysville, Ohio. And I've been telling my wife, how are we going to find a church that's going to believe the Bible, preach the word, and believe in missions? I said, well... He goes, are you going to preach the word? I said, yes, sir. He said, do you believe the Bible? I said, I think so. He said, are you going to give to missions? I said, we are. We're here because of missions. He said, well, I'm going to be at your church on Sunday. I said, praise the Lord. You know what I mean? And he became my security guard and joined the church the next week. You know what I mean? You begin to engage the city. You begin to see what God is doing. It's not about just starting a service. We prayed for every single street in our city. I had people in Memphis and all across this nation, and we, we took every street in the city of Marysville and had it prayed over around the nation. And so when somebody would come to our new church plant, we were meeting in a school, and we would tell the people about, I want you to know, someone came from Fifth Avenue, someone came from Plum Street, you've been praying for that street for a year, and they visited, and they just gave their life to Christ, and they were baptized. Planning a church is not starting a service. It starts with engaging the city. Kingdom math is not addition. It is multiplication. For almost 10 years, we were there in that church. And then God called us to Clearwater, Florida. And we began part of a church called Calvary. And I began my role as the senior associate pastor of Calvary Church in Clearwater. We were a church of over 4,000 people. We had two campuses. In 2016, we had a vision. We turned 150 years old, and we had a vision to multiply, to change the scorecard from addition to multiplication, because kingdom math, kingdom church planting and multiplication is not one church getting a little bit bigger and a little bit better. It's about changing the scorecard and measuring success no longer by how many sit in the seats, but how many are sent from those seats. We want to be a good steward of the gospel and to begin to send out and multiply. And so I moved down there in our family in 2017. We began to multiply churches. We began to begin internships and apprenticeships and residencies and sending out and starting a pipeline. Why? Because we were going to understand that biblical kingdom math was an addition, but it was multiplication. We were planting churches in six nations overseas, nine cities in North America. We were opening up more campuses in Pinellas County there in Tampa. We were revitalizing churches that were closing their doors, and we were putting young leaders and young musicians and children's leaders and children's workers back in there, and that church not only didn't they survive, they began to thrive and multiply believers in the gospel in their communities. And that's what we were doing. When I left two and a half years ago, we were at 81 of those 150 churches had been started. A few weeks ago, they just crossed 100. And I believe they're going to finish it. Why? 
because the goal was not just growing a big church. Vance Pittman, the president of Sin Network, said, we are growing big churches while we are losing kingdom territory in the United States. Do you know that Christianity is growing on every continent but two? Europe and North America. University Baptist, when you give, when you give to the Lottie Moon offering, when you give to Annie Armstrong, when you give to the cooperative program, when you give to Ray Roberts, you are making a kingdom investment across the street here in Ohio and around the world. And the, I'm, I'm happy to share with you that, that we're seeing multiplication begin to happen right here in our state. That's why we left Clearwater and came back to Columbus, because I saw it and I wanted to see it across our state. I didn't want to hear pastors. I sat across the table from a pastor one morning for breakfast, and I said, what's the vision for your church? And this is his response, to get through next Sunday. And you know what? He had the guts to admit it. And many of our pastors, that's where they are. Just getting through next Sunday, getting through another church service. And there's so much more to the kingdom than that. I'm so thankful for Pastor Jason. I'm so thankful for this team to have a vision. I almost cried at the end of the service and I wasn't even preaching because I heard Pastor Jason talking about intentional multiplication. What to God I would hear that in most churches I go to. What an incredible language and vision that's here. Don't take this moment for granted. I understand that biblical church planting, what does it mean to multiply churches? It means to start engaging the cities, not just growing a big church. Number two, why is it important to plant churches? Verse five, go back to Acts 18. Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia. Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. And when they resisted and blasphemed, they, he shook out his clothes and said, your blood's on your hands. From now I'm going to the Gentiles. Paul would go to the Jews and then to the Greeks. So he left there and went to a house named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. God gave them his man of peace. He began to see a fruit. He, gave, he engaged the city and then disciples were made. See, that's what happens, church, when you multiply the gospel and then you multiply believers and you multiply leaders. You don't have to make something happen. It just biblically happens. It's kingdom math. And that's exactly what Paul was doing in Acts 18. He arrives in Corinth. His goal wasn't to really start a church in Corinth. He engaged the city, began to share the gospel. Disciples were made. And that's the biblical pattern that we have here. And look what it says. You can miss this. By the way, make sure that you slow down when you read the Word of God. We can miss a lot if we go too fast. And make sure you read every book in the whole counsel of God. You're going to meet these people. You're going to meet Habakkuk. And when Habakkuk says, hey, how'd you like my book? And you didn't read it? It's going to be an awkward moment in heaven for you. <laughs> read the whole counsel of God. Who's watching, church? Who's watching? Timothy is. Who's in this list? Timothy. He's watching Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. He watches them disciple. He watches them later on in the book meet a young man named Apollos. It's living it, not just talking about it. Paul is not just preaching it, he's leading by example. He's making disciples. And God begins to bless and God begins to use we have to understand that we must reach one person at a time. There's power in reaching one. Acts chapter 2, thousands come to Christ. Flip the page to Acts chapter 3, and it starts with one. A man at the gate, lame. They're walking up. He says, I need silver and gold. And what do they say in response in Acts chapter 3? Silver and gold we don't have. What we do have is Jesus Christ, and that's who you need. You reach the thousands by reaching the one. And every single day should be a mission trip for us. Every single day, we should never get over the gospel. Every single day, we should live our testimony and our story. People can argue philosophy. They can argue politics. They can argue finances. What they cannot argue with is a changed life. Don't ever get over the gospel. Don't ever get over what Christ has done for you. You say, well, Pastor Jeremy, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah, but you can salt his oats. You can make him thirsty. You can live and you can give and you can serve and you can share 
in such a way that people want what you've got. Never forget the power of one. Paul knew that. The disciples were made one person at a time. Many years ago, I was preaching at a conference in Denver, Colorado. And as a pastor, every Thursday, my tech team was on me. I need your slides. I need your slides. I need your notes. I need your slides. I need your notes. And I was rushing, trying to leave this conference speaking, get on the plane, get back to Columbus. I don't know what it is, but every time I fly through, um, uh, get to Columbus, it's through Chicago. Like, listen, listen, if you're from Chicago and you're in this room, listen, I love your city. I love your pizza. I cannot stand your airport. All right. So O'Hare is just insane to me. It's like, it's always nuts. Right. And so I'm getting on the plane and as a, as a young church planner from Columbus, Ohio, I got to be a fan of the Ohio state Buckeyes. And I just want to know, is there anybody in this service, this room today, that's an Ohio state Buckeye? That first service was a lot stronger than what I just heard. If I were to say OH, now that's what I'm talking about, right? Here we go. I wore the Ohio State stuff, man. I had on the Nike stuff, I had on the Ohio State shoes. It was ridiculous. I get on the plane. The pilot says, listen, this is going to be a rough flight. No food, no service, no snacks. Just sit down and buckle up. We're going to try to get you there safe. That's a blessing. Then you realize you paid for that. And you get on the plane, and so I sit down. This lady turns around and she says, excuse me, son, are you a coach for Ohio State? <laughs> I was like, no, that looks bad. No, no, ma'am. I said, I'm just a church planner in Marysville. Um, she said, oh, I thought you were somebody important. And I, <laughs> nothing like humble pie at eight o'clock in the morning, Jason. And um, so I just took it and went on. I said, no. And so I was working on my sermon and about an hour into the flight, if you're a frequent flyer in this room, you know, turbul- like there's turbulence and there's turbulence. And we hit a pocket coming into O'Hare that was pretty bad. Our students went flying down the aisle. And so everybody, you know, it gets real and people start like closing their laptops and turning off their TV screens and start doing this. I was like, what the hell, revival on Delta, 30,000 feet up. You know what I mean? And that lady turned around and she said, uh, excuse me, son, did you say you were a pastor? <laughs> and I said, yeah, the one doesn't matter. That's me. I'm that guy. She said, well, are you praying? And I said, yes, I'm praying. She said, well, I'm praying that God's not done with you on earth yet. And I said, well, thank you. I'm praying that same prayer as well. So, um, and I got a chance to share the gospel with every single person around me on Delta. Now that really wasn't a fun flight at the end, but it was worth it to get a chance to share Christ with everybody around me on Delta. Paul says, pray and pay attention. Every day is a mission trip. Paul engaged the city and then disciples were made. Why do we plant churches? Why is it important? Because existing SBC churches record only 3.4 baptisms per 100 members. But a new church, a new plant, averages 11.7 baptisms per 100 members, a baptism rate that triples existing churches. There's something new and fresh about a work of God in a new church plant. I saw this. In seven years as a planter, as a pastor in Marysville, over 200 people in seven years put their faith in Jesus and went public with their faith in Christ through baptism. I've seen it, and I've witnessed exactly what it looks like when this happens. But even though Living Hope one day will no longer be, what happened through Living Hope and the kingdom multiplying will always go. We love Revelation chapter 5, where it says that around the throne, there will be people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. But we need to look at verse 10, the very next verse. And it says, he made them a kingdom. Why? Because multiplication and church planning is not about starting a church. That's not the end goal. It's always about joining God's activity and advancing and expanding the kingdom of Almighty God. And here we see that's why it is important to plant churches. Kevin Azell said the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is to plant churches, the president of our North American mission board. Through your giving, through your generosity, through your partnership, I'm happy to share with you at the state in the past two years, we've seen 49 new churches started here in the state of Ohio. That is a high pace for our state. It's a leading number in the Midwest, and one of the leading numbers around our country. God's hand is upon this vision of multiplication in our state. And without your praying, without your giving, and without your willingness to sin, these things don't happen. 
So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your prayers. Continue to grow in that. Continue to exceed in that as we take the gospel across the street and around the world. Number three, how can our church be involved? We see here biblically that a church was planted. The Corinthian church was planted. Why? Because Paul engaged the city, disciples were made, and then a church was just biblically planted. God gave him the greatest gift, which is his presence. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent, for I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you. Nobody will lay a hand on you because I have many people in this city that I want to redeem. God is sovereign and he knows what he is doing. And it is good for us to rest and believe and trust in the Lord and go to sleep at night and believe. Many years ago, I was at a conference in Louisville, Kentucky, called Together for the Gospel. Pastor Jason said he was there at that same conference. As a young church planner, I was worried about everything. Are we going to make it? Or how are we going to start? Are we going to be able to survive in three years? Will it go? And I remember John MacArthur getting up and preaching. And he said, you know, I started just to believe what I was preaching. That's always a good thing, to believe the sermons that you preach. And he said, you know, I just, I read a verse and preached it that God is sovereign, he is good, and he is awake, and he's always in charge, and he doesn't sleep, and he doesn't slumber. So you know what? He said, I'm just going to go to bed tonight, and I'm going to get some sleep, because there's no reason for us both to be up. He said, I slept sovereignly, and I've slept every night since. It's good to sleep sovereignly and trust in the Lord. God told Paul, don't be afraid. I have a plan and a purpose. You just follow me. I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. Tim Keller says, when Paul began meeting with the new converts, they were called disciples in Acts chapter 14, verse 22. But when he left them, they were known as churches in Acts 14, 23. Keller goes on to say, to put it simply, the multiplication of churches is as natural in the book of Acts as the multiplication of individuals. There at our church in Clearwater, Florida, we had 61 people in our pipeline. God had done it. The vision was cast and they began to come. Those deacons who used to fold their hands at me on Wednesday nights were now coaches in our pipeline three years later. I get calls and emails, even now that I'm back in Ohio from interns and apprentices saying, thank you for this vision. We're a part of it now. And God's calling us to leave and to go to the nations. God's calling us to plant a church in a hard area. God's calling us. And they're in the pipeline. They're interns and they're apprentices and they're residents. And they're getting ready to be sent by the International Mission Board. They're getting ready to be commissioned by the North American Mission Board. Some are saying goodbye to their mom and dad, not knowing if they'll come home. That's why we go. Why should there be those who hear the gospel twice when there are many who've never heard it once? One missionary said the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. How can we be involved? Praying. Vance Havner so the tragedy of our time is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. we got to pray, church. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. We will devert ourselves to the word and to prayer. The definite article is there in the Greek New Testament. It means the prayer and the word. We are to devote ourselves to prayer. I would travel our nation, and people would come up to me that I've never met and tell me... I, this lady said, I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning every day and I pray for you and Jennifer. I didn't know who she was. I'm convinced the story of what God did at Living Hope and at Calvary are the prayers of God's people. Praying, sending. Jesus modeled many prayers. But Jesus had one prayer request and that was to send. Matthew 9, he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, the workers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into it and then giving. Philippians chapter 4, he says, I've received everything in full, and I have an abundance. 
I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. The Philippians book is about joy. And the Philippians book is about the contented life. The Philippians book is also about finances. Paul is thanking the Philippian church for their generosity to help him plant the churches and to multiply. We know biblically we can accredit 14 new church starts directly to the Apostle Paul. The multiply gospel was going through his life and ministry and through the generosity of churches he had planted would support him. I close with this statement. Somebody's waiting on the other side of your obedience. After the first service, almost 10 people came up to me and said, I believe God's calling me. I believe God wants to do something in my life. Somebody's waiting on the other side of your obedience. I told you my dad left when I was three. My dad found me online and began listening to my sermons. And he reached out to me. And a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger in my heart, Jason. And the Holy Spirit spoke through his word to me and said, if you can't extend forgiveness, but you can preach it, then it's time for you to stop preaching. And so I met my dad for dinner the next night. I responded back. You ever just said and type things? You didn't know how you were doing it, but the Holy Spirit's doing it? I said, let's meet. We met the next night for dinner there in Dublin, and it was about as awkward as it could be. But he paid for dinner, and when you're a church planner, free is a wonderful thing. He came out the next night to our house in Marysville and I said, hey dad, would you want to meet your, your grandkids? And he said, I thought you never asked me that and I said, me neither. So he came out and there in my living room was my boy who was five, my little daughter who was one. They were there playing Wii on the Mario, Mario Kart on the Wii and uh, I just said, what is I tell you, I still love Mario Kart. I love Mario Kart. And I remember sitting there in the kitchen. I asked Jennifer, I said, what is happening in our life? She said, the gospel's happening. My dad came to church that Sunday. We're meeting in a school, you know, setting up, tearing down every single week as a new church. I was so nervous. I could barely get up and preach that day. And God said, just preach the word. I preached the word. And I said, Dad, how'd you like it? He said, well... It's pretty cool. I could drink coffee and wear jeans, and I like your band. You know what I mean? So I said, well, that's, that's a good start. At least you don't hate it. Well, he came back six months later at Christmas. I got up and preached the gospel again. And that day, my dad made peace with God. And that day, my dad made peace with me. You know what that proved to me? Had I stayed in Memphis all nice and comfortable... I would have never been able to reach my father. Because when God plants a church, it's never about that church, it's about the kingdom of God. And he's always advancing his kingdom. Planting a church, it's about the kingdom. Churches have life cycles, the kingdom of God does not. Don't waste your life. Don't just come to church and sit multiply your life. Why? Because someone's waiting on the other side of your obedience. Amen. Pastor Jason, why don't you come and share? And thanks so much, Jeremy, for sharing your heart and for sharing God's word with us. Church family, if you're blessed today, can we just put our hands together and thank the Lord? Thank you, Jeremy. Amen. I just, there's so much of my heart that is thankful for what Jeremy shared today because it is so true. Like, we don't just want to be about planting churches and starting new services, right? Uh, I like the quote that he said earlier that the multiplication of churches will be the natural outflow of the multiplication of disciples. 
And so that's why we've gone through this series, the order that we have, where we wanted to say, hey, let's start with planning the gospel. And as we see people believe the gospel, then we want to multiply disciples. And then as we multiply disciples, God will call some of them to be leaders. And when that happens, we're going to see churches multiplied. And when that happens, the glory of God is going to cover the earth like the water covers the sea. And that's what we want to see. So, you know... Um, you know, in late 2021, I shared with you guys when we started the Make Him Known campaign, you know, that we were going to build this new building and all. And some of you guys came and you asked, hey, what are we going to be about in the future? Are we going to be about building bigger buildings or are we going to be about planting new churches? And I remember kind of wrestling through some of that myself because we obviously needed more space here, but we also don't want to just make it about us. And we wanted to see. And uh, I remember saying to several of you, I believe that we can both build the bigger buildings that we need and we can plant and multiply churches for the sake of God's glory. I think He can do both. And now here we are. We're seeing the benefits of this new space, but here this space is growing. It's getting filled and it's time to send some people out. And uh, I believe that the time is now. I believe that this is a, a kind of a critical defining moment for our church where we collectively decide are we going to just kind of culturally kind of comfortably go to church or are we going to be about the mission of multiplying the gospel disciples leaders and churches for the glory of God and for the expanse of his kingdom today I want to give you and I want to share with you three practical steps that we're going to take um, that ties into this whole passion of ours to multiply churches the first practical step we're going to take over the next season of life as a church is you're going to see that we're going to start supporting new church plants. So guys, I love our church. I mean, I hope you can tell when I, when I talk about it. I love our church. I am so thankful for our church. And I believe that God is moving in a, a special way in our church. Um, and it's a joy to be part of that. But guys, our church isn't the only church where God is moving. And it's exciting to see some of these other churches where they've been able to have train church planters and send out church planters and see new churches start. There are a handful of new churches starting in and around the greater Dayton area that I'm excited to see what God's going to do in these new churches. I'm excited about, I've talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, Trails Church that's starting in Huber Heights, where they're planting this new church in Huber with the intention of, of planting the gospel among uh, the Turkish Muslim community there. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited about Trinity Church that just started in East Dayton in the neighborhood where I live, right? And so when I meet new people in our neighborhood and I find out they're open to going to church, like, don't tell anybody I said this. Oh, it's going to be on the live stream, so oh well. But <laughs> I've kind of stopped telling them to come to our church and I'm like, just go to Trinity. It's like right around the corner. It's a great church. And so, you know, I'm excited about that. And uh, I want you guys to be able to hear more about what God's doing in the lives of these church planters in our area and what God is doing there. Um, over the next year, we're going to be doing several things to support new church plants that God uh, brings us in partnership with. We're going to start praying for them in our Sunday morning services. We're going to start giving financially and giving of our resources to meet their financial and resource needs. We're going to be hearing from their leaders and pastors and uh, we're going to invite their pastors and leaders to come and share with us and to speak in various settings um, within our church services. We're going to be challenged. I want you to hear this. I'm going to be challenging some of you to pray about leaving here and going being a part of their church plan. Right? And I hope that if the Lord puts that on your heart, like, man, I hope you will go. We will celebrate that. And it's not just the church plants in our area. Um, we're also thinking about how we can partner with the entities of the Southern Baptist Convention. We're thinking about how we can partner with missionary sending agencies. We're, we're talking about partner, how we can partner with Cedarville University and all the work that God's doing there for the launching of new churches. And so we're going to be taking steps over this next year to support new church plants, and I'm excited about that. Here's the second thing we're going to be doing. We're going to be starting a residency here at our church. So like I mentioned last week, uh, Jeremy Kimball, Dr. Jeremy Kimball is... Um, responsible now for developing the internship and residency programs within our church. And part of our desire is that God would bring us a resident who has a desire to launch a church in the future. 
And so that we can send somebody out as a church planting leader and pastor. Um, I don't know if that person's already here among our church. I don't know if maybe God has that person at a different church and they're going to want to come here and learn, but I'm excited to see someone that the Lord has called come to our church, have an extended amount of time in our church to learn and kind of bake as a leader until they're ready uh, to be sent out, and I'm excited to see who the Lord brings. So I'm excited to get this residency started, and I'm excited about Jeremy Kimball's leadership in that area. The last thing that I want to mention today is that over this next year, we're going to be forming and equipping something called launch teams. And these will be people from our church who have a passion for being part of launching out and starting new churches and new works elsewhere. i got to say, guys, as I reflect on my own life, I remember when it was 2001, I was in my 20s, I was not a pastor, it was not my vocational um, ministry to, to be a pastor of a church, I was having a regular sales job, you know, kind of... But I was committed to my local church. And that local church started to have a passion for church planting. And I got asked and invited to start praying and being part of, uh, praying about being part of a church plant. And the more that I prayed about that, the more the Lord kind of confirmed in my heart that, yeah, I needed to go and be part of that church plant. So in 2002, I had the blessing of being part of a church planting team. Not as, not as a pastor. Just as a member of a church that wanted to see something new happen and follow God's lead. And I have to say, it was so exciting. It was like a wonderful experience in my life to be uh, part of seeing the Lord build a church from the ground up. And uh, maybe the Lord's going to call some of you guys to do the same. Maybe you've already had this kind of eagerness in your heart to be part of new church plants and new starts. Maybe, maybe some of you might start to pray, and if you have that openness in your heart, saying, Lord, I'll go anywhere to anyone, anytime you call me. Maybe the Lord's going to say, okay, your next step, if your heart's open, is to think about being part of this new church planting launch that UBC is going to do. Maybe you just are sitting here and you've got all sorts of questions about church planting and you just kind of have an interest in learning more. Um, these launch teams sound interesting to you for one reason or another. Well, because this is part of something that we believe the Lord is calling us to be about as a church, here's what we're going to do next. Um, we have a couple church planting interest meetings that are, uh, that are coming up in here in February. February 21st, February 24th. You can see the times, the locations on the screen there. And I just want to invite any of you who are interested in being part of this conversation to come out. Um, we're going to cover the same content at either of those meetings, so just pick one. I know that you know, not every single date will work for everybody's calendar, but there's two options for you. And if that works for you, we would love to have you there. Come out and learn more. Because this whole vision, right, for multiple, we want to be a multiplying church. Multiply the gospel, multiply disciple-making, multiply leaders, multiply churches for the glory of God. Like, if the Lord's calling you to be part of that, I hope you'll say yes. And I hope that you really take to heart what Jeremy said at the conclusion of his sermon. You never know who God has waiting for you on the other side of your obedience. So let's obey the Lord together and see what he does. All right? All throughout this series, we've been telling you guys that at the end of this Multiply series, we were going to give you an opportunity to tell our leadership how you sense the Lord speaking to you about all this. And so right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to let us know and to turn in your response. On the screen behind me here, or if you're watching online, is a QR code. You can take out your phone. Only time I'm ever going to tell you to take out your phone in church, right? Uh, take out your phone, and you can scan that in right now. I just want to ask everybody to do it. There's going to be a short survey for you to complete if you'll take that out and Scan that code. would love for you to do that. Um, these, this survey ties into all the topics that we've addressed here in the Multiply series. Once you scan that QR code, it'll pop up. It'll ask you for a little bit of your contact info, and then it'll give you a handful of questions where you can follow the prompts. And as you follow these prompts, let me just mention a couple things. When the prompts come up, you're going to see right at the very beginning that there's kind of four checkboxes for you. you know, you're are you interested in multiplying the gospel, disciples, leadership, and churches. Whenever you, you can select all that apply. You don't just have to select one. But when you select one, there's going to be other questions that drop down below it. And so go ahead and fill those out as well. So some of you in this room are going to be really interested in multiplying the gospel. Like for you, some of you in this room, 
Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you have never been trained or equipped on how to share the gospel. If somebody asked you about how to become a Christian, it might really kind of make you nervous to answer that question. We understand that. And we want to train and equip you to be ready to share the gospel with people. Some of you would love to know how to share your story in a compelling way. Nobody can argue with a changed life. Maybe you want to share your story in a compelling way. Maybe some of you are here today and you're like, I just showed up at church. I don't know what you're talking about with church planting. I don't know where the book of Acts is in my Bible, okay? Maybe you don't even have a Bible, but maybe you're here and there is something stirring in your heart where you're like, you know what? I need God in my life. And if I can have God in my life through this belief in the gospel, I better learn what the gospel is. If that's you, just click that little box that says, I want to learn more about the gospel. And we will invite you to a next step where you can hear how to start following Jesus. Some of you who are here are going to really be inclined towards taking a step towards discipleship. And as you fill out that survey, some of you are like, you know, I need somebody to disciple me. I've been following Jesus, but I've never really had anybody disciple me. Some of you are like, okay, I'm ready to start pouring my life into making other disciples. I hope you'll fill out that survey right now and let us know that. Some of you may sense the Lord nudging your heart toward leadership. Maybe you want to start a ministry. Maybe you're involved in a ministry, but you see a gap that needs to be filled. Some of you in this room might have a sense of calling that God is calling you to be a pastor or a church planter. We want to know that. We want to come alongside you. Some of you really resounded today with the message on church planting. And you're interested in church planting. It sounds exciting to you. Maybe it might sound a little scary, but you sense the Lord calling your heart that direction. Just let us know. We want to help you take the next step. So just complete that survey, if you will. I just want to give you about 60 more seconds to fill that out. And in just a moment, we're going to be led in our closing song. But if you haven't done so yet, I just want to encourage you right now. Take that out. Take your phone out. Scan that. Fill out that survey. We'll give you another 60 seconds. And just to tell you how the follow-up works, when you hit submit on your survey, that's going to send a response to various leaders in our church, depending on what you click. So your interest, the topics of interest to you, um, it may trigger uh, various people in our church to respond to you. So you might not just get one response from us. You may get multiple responses, depending on what you filled out. But we're excited to see who the Lord's uh, hearts are being, you know, who, who the Lord is nudging in their hearts to be a part of this. I, it's hard for me to put into words how excited I am about this. I, I think this is such a critical moment for our church. I think this is now where we're going to decide what we're going to be about in the coming years. And so I hope that you will pray about this, respond as the Lord leads, and I'm excited to see what the Lord does. So take 30 seconds or so, complete your survey, and then we will go into our closing song. Mm-hmm.